0: Once again, everybody, glad you have joined us this morning. For those of you who haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John, and uh, I'm the pastor around here, I guess digitally for the time being. Uh, I want to tag on one thing to what Jess said about the Pregnancy Support Center. Um, She gave you the the details on how we're going to do that. I do... I do want to say, she mentioned what our family may be doing. This is a great opportunity to get your kids involved in serving because they can grab loose change and other things from their rooms in order to support uh, the Pregnancy Support Center. And I just want to throw this on here, and, and Sherry, I don't know if she would even want me to say this or not, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I will say that the, the one of the big fundraisers for Uh, the Pregnancy Support Center happened in the spring or is supposed to happen in the spring. And because of all of this, they weren't able to do it as normal. And so they had to do it digitally. And um, so it's been a difficult thing. A ministry like the Pregnancy Support Center relies on people's contributions. And when they can't do their normal stuff to raise those funds, it puts pressure on their ministry uh, to not be able to do all the things that they feel called to do. So I want to just encourage you to step up and be a part of that, as our family will be. Uh, I do want to say thank you also for uh, your continued your generosity to Carolina Family Church. Thankfully, we have not taken a big financial hit on this and we've been able to continue doing ministry and we'll be ready to resume when that time comes and uh, also toss in with the change to phase two this past week. uh, Things do change for us uh, legally as a church. We can do whatever we want. We're now exempt completely from the uh, executive order. So it's not a matter of what we can do at this point. It's a matter of what we should do. And so uh, we're going to use wisdom and uh, do things the right way. And so I'll be talking with the trustees this week about what we uh, kind of the boundaries we're going to work within. And then I'm going to talk with the elders about how we're going to operate within those boundaries. So information will be coming about uh, the future of Carolina Family Church and what that looks like. Looks like. And I just want you to trust that we're going to use wisdom and prudence as we make those decisions. Okay? So, with all of that said, as Jess mentioned a minute ago, we are continuing our series, True Ish. Last week, we did an introductory message and we talked about how to study a scripture, how to come to the Bible. And then as we go through the series, we're taking Christian ideas or ideas that might be attached to the church, whether we want them to or not. But there's some that are attached to us and some things Christians say, I guess, and try and answer the question, are they true or are they not? And today, as I mentioned in the music section, we are going to be doing Everything Happens for a Reason. You ever heard that one? Everything Happens for a Reason. Uh, Typically, when do people say that? They say that when someone is going through something really tough, and they're trying to console them and comfort them, and they say, don't worry, I know you got laid off, I know that they broke up with you, I know that you're sick, I know that you got this diagnosis, I know X, Y, Z, but don't worry, everything happens for a reason. You're trying to be encouraging. It's the idea of, don't, don't worry, there's a purpose in all of this. So I know it's hard right now. I know it's difficult right now. But this is going somewhere. And in some cases, uh, maybe flippantly, it's it's said as, hey, listen, everything's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Hang in there. That's the idea. Everything happens for a reason. And where Where do you get that from? Where might you see something like that in the Scripture? Well, I mentioned this again during the music time, but Romans 8.28, the first part of that verse says... And we know all things work together for good. See, it all happens for a reason. Or how about Jesus in Matthew chapter 10? Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. See, it's all happening for a reason. Here's the hard part about that phrase, though. And I bet you have found this the same way that I found it. When you're the recipient of that phrase, it don't feel so good, okay? You ever had someone say that to you when you were in a really dark or difficult place in, in your life? Boy, that phrase feels really hollow. Whether it's true or not, we're going to talk about that. But that phrase, man, it's just, I don't know how helpful it is, honestly. I remember back to a time for me when I felt like my entire world was crashing down. The church I was a part of was disbanding and I was going to be out of a job and I was going to have to move and leave good friends behind and I was confused about what that meant and where it was going and everything looked dark, frankly, to me. I didn't see any hope or anything good happening out of that at the time and I had somebody I'll remember distinctly to this day. They walked up to me, and I was crushed. I mean, I, I had just come out of a, uh, like, a balding fit. Like, I felt my whole body was dehydrated, you know that? Where it was just uncontrollable, like, like tears and snot and everything's, you know, coming out here. And uh, I was, I mean, I was crushed. And I would cleaned up enough with my red eyes and cleaned up enough to, to, to go talk to some people because there was a gathering happening. And someone came up to me, and they said, hey, don't worry everything happens for a reason. And listen, I was a pastor. I've been a Christian for a long time. I like to think that I have a certain level of spiritual maturity and I understand how God's working and everything. But all I could think in that moment is like, was what in the world could the reason for this be? What good could possibly this is, come out of this? This is terrible. Everything is falling apart. I felt like I was losing everything. I wasn't losing everything. I still had my family. I still had my friends. I still had my health. I still had, I still had Christ. But in my mind, it was like everything was going wrong. How could you possibly say that to me? Are you so cold and so callous that that is what you would say to me in that moment? It can come across as hollow. It can come across as cliche. Everything happens for a reason. And, and one, of the, one of the dangerous things that could come out of that phrase, I would say, is that when you say that to someone who's hurting, who doesn't have a a developed understanding of God and how he works and and hasn't had that much time with him or that level of teaching, whatever, they could easily hear someone say, everything happens for a reason, and instantly their thought is, so you're saying God did this to me. That is a very hard thing for people to understand and to process when they're going through something difficult. Are you saying that God gave me cancer? If everything happens for a reason, are you saying that God gave me? Are you saying that God made my boss fire me? Are you saying that God is the reason that my wife walked out on me? And it can turn people against God because that phrase, well, is it true or is it false or is it trueish? let's find out. Let's talk about it. We're going to start with, with a logical argument just to get this out of the way, because those of you who are out there who are logical thinkers like me, everything happens for a reason. Well, the first thing you think is, well, yeah, it kind of has to, right? Because every effect has a cause. It's the law of cause and effect. In order for something to happen, something else has to happen. It's like, it's like dominoes falling through life. Everything has a cause that's absolutely true. it's like it's like when you look at uh, the physical world, Newton's first law, right? Uh, objects in motion tend to stay in motion objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless they're acted upon by a force. things stay the same unless something pushes. nothing moves unless it's pushed it, it, it's pushed and so you look at everything that happens in your life and you say well something something pushed something happened everything has a a cause. Now, a Christian might think, well, ultimately, God is the cause of everything because God is in control of everything, right? God is the cause of everything because God is in control of everything. Is that true or is it false or is it true-ish? Well, let's go right to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And I'll, let me let me toss this in. This is Memorial Day weekend, This is a weekend when we remember those who have died in the service of our country, who have given their life for our country, the United States of America. We're incredibly thankful for them. But attached to their sacrifice is something that is horrific and nobody wants to be, nobody wants to happen, war, right? Well, if everything happens, you say everything happens for a reason, then you say, well, war happened for a reason. And if God is the cause of all things, well, then God caused that war. That's God caused me to lose the person that I love that I remember on this weekend. we got to answer this question. This is important because it will change the way that we look at God and what we expect of him and what we expect of the world. Right to the very beginning. Genesis chapter one, verse one, the very, very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the initial cause. That is for sure. God began everything. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So There's a whole lot of creating going on right here. There's a whole lot of causing going on. There's a whole lot more creating that happens after this as well. So we know that in life... Many, many things have a divine cause, and if you want to take some notes down, I want to give you some of the causes that could, that could potentially create the things that happen in our life, and the first one is a divine cause, and that happens all over the place, and God will often cause things to happen in our life for a very specific purpose. You know, someone might ask the question, well, why did I get laid off? God, why did you do this to me? And in some cases, the answer from God is, yes, I did do that. And it's because I want you to learn to trust me instead of trusting your paycheck. So it may very well have a divine cause, something that happens in our life. But is that the only cause? No, let's keep looking at Genesis. All right, now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. All right, some people might think everything is caused by God. I don't believe that that is true. Look at Genesis chapter 3 in verse 14. The whole thing went down with Adam and Eve, right? Satan comes in the form of a serpent to Eve, tells her she should eat. She's going to become like God. She does it. She goes to Adam. She's like, this is a good thing. Adam eats. And now uh, they have both sinned, the, the first sin, as a result of the influence of Satan in the form of a serpent. And now God is dealing with them, all of them, and the, the outcome of their decisions. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 then God said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel so this is the curse that is given to Satan and also uh promise of the one who's coming, who's going to defeat him. But the curse is given to Satan, but God says, because of what you did, this is what will happen. Who is the cause in that scenario? Satan is the cause. And so while God, there can be a divine cause for things that happen in our life, there can also be a satanic cause of things that happen in our life. Our enemy, the devil, he's looking for people to devour and he will cause things to happen in our life that hurt us, that draw us away from God. And so we have to keep our eyes open. There are things that happen in our life that that we shouldn't blame God for that are the work of the enemy. And so we have to be careful because if we say that God did those things... Instead of Satan did those things, we're now attributing the work of Satan to the work of God, and that is going to mess us up and cause all kinds of problems So when we don't want to do that. So understand that there can be a, sat- a satanic cause. Well, God, why did I get robbed, God? God, why did you do this to me? God, saying, I didn't do that to you. Satan lied to a person, influenced a person, that person made the decision to rob you and it hurt you. Sin hurts you. I've been telling you this. (laughs) You know this. And it's not my fault somebody listened to what Satan was telling them. So there can be a satanic cause. Well, let's keep reading because God not only uh, puts the curse on Satan, but he also then puts the curse on the man and the woman. Okay, let's look at verse 17. And to Adam, he said, "Because you have listened to the voice of your wife." I'm gonna be careful with that. <laughs> okay, today is today is our seventeenth wedding anniversary, <laughs> me and my wife. But uh, Genesis chapter three, he's saying to Adam, "Because you listened to the voice of your wife." Now, th- to be fair, this was the first time Eve was wrong. First time she first time she was wrong, maybe well, probably wasn't the last time she was wrong, but in Adam's mind, maybe, but nevertheless, said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So he can't blame this on God. Adam can't blame this on God. And he really can't blame it on Satan either. This is because of a choice that he made. Because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, not only can things have a divine cause, and they can also have a satanic cause, they can also have a human cause. Because people do things. (laughs) People do things evil things. They do sinful things. They do all kinds of things. God has given us, in his love, has given us free will, which means that God is not controlling us. He is influencing you and me. Uh, Satan is trying to influence you and I as well, but ultimately we make choices. God, why did I get cirrhosis? Why, Why did you do this to me? God's like, because you drank like a maniac, and your liver isn't designed to handle all of that alcohol. Okay, this, There are things that happen in our life, frankly, that are our fault. And if we go and we blame God for those things, then we can easily, of course, attribute to God something that we have done, a mistake that we made, and the consequences of that mistake. And so we make choices, and that has an impact on our life. And then, of course, as a result, I'll just put this one out here as well. There are natural causes for things. If uh, uh, God, when he created the earth, he set certain things in motion. And so... You know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it scream, does it make a sound? <laughs> Why did it fall over? Did God push it? Well, no, it's just it's the natural order of things that are happening. And, and there's a natural order that's rolling over and over and over all around us. And then sin enters the picture and makes work difficult for us and lets sickness and death enter the world. And now everything around us is messed up and there are natural causes that happen in life as well. Why is this so important? It's important because when we say that phrase, everything happens for a reason. It gives us the idea that God is causing all things to happen for a purpose. That God is then, what, is he causing sin to happen on purpose? That doesn't, I don't see that in scripture, and it doesn't make any sense logically. The reality is God is not spinning up every hurricane to teach people, uh, to punish people, okay? And he's not dishing out cancer to teach people a lesson, that's not what's happening. Yet it's important to understand that God is all-powerful and that God has control over everything. But Listen, just because God has control over everything does not mean that God controls everything. Just because he has control over everything does not mean he is sitting up in his big control room and he's like robots making everything happen. He would be controlling every human decision. He would be controlling everything that's going on. We would basically be a video game that he had programmed. But that is not what God has done. He has given us free will. Satan himself is currently the ruler over this world and is influencing people. And there is a battle going on between God and Satan that we know ultimately God wins. And that there's a battle happening within us for who we're going to follow and who we're going to listen to and what kind of choices we're going to make. Now, all this, if I bring all this back to that question, everything happens for a reason. Does everything happen for a reason? Well, maybe you could say yes, but not everything happens for a good reason. There's not good at the cause or the intent of everything that happens because we sin and because Satan influences. And sometimes in situations, there's a conglomeration of things that are going on because you think about any situation that you're in, you can't boil it down to one thing. It's not one thing. It's a hundred things. It's a million things. It's a thousand things all happening at once that led up to that thing, even if it is singular. I think one of the coolest places to see this in Scripture is with a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers betray him. Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, you might be familiar with that story. His brothers, his his dad gives him this beautiful coat because he really thinks he's awesome and he's his favorite son and the other brothers don't like that so much that they decide to get rid of him, to off him. And so uh, they sell him off to to, uh, traders and uh, Joseph ends up in uh, in. Uh, Egypt. Meanwhile, his brothers take smear like blood on the coat, take it back to their dad and they're like, sorry, dad, he's gone. And so dad thinks that Joseph is gone, but Joseph is really in Egypt. And ultimately, Joseph rises up in power in Egypt. There's a big famine. Joseph's over uh, food distribution during the famine and his brothers have to come sulking back to him without realizing it's him because he's changed so much over the years. And they, when they realize it's Joseph, they, 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 turn, they turn away from that sin. They, they repent of that sin. They realize what they did was wrong, and they, they come to him humbly. And he famously says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, But as for you, you meant evil against me. So your intent was evil. Your thoughts were evil. But God meant it for good. God intended it for good in order to bring about it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So in this case, you've got multiple people acting on the situation. You've got God with his intent, and you've got them with their intent, and you're wondering, well, why did it all happen? Let me just say this so that we can, we can take a turn with this idea. Why it happened isn't the right question to ask. Why it happened isn't the right question to ask. Because the reality is, we're probably not going to always know why it happened. Because God does allow or cause some things that we might call bad to happen to us, and some that he's not not making happen at all. Why it happened isn't the right question. The better question is, what do I do with it now that it has? What do I do with it now that it has? What is the outcome of this going to be? Regardless of what the cause is, what will be the effect? And frankly, in, the, in uh, Romans 8.28 that we read earlier, and we're going we're to look at that a little more deeply in just a moment, for God works all things for the good. God works all things together for good. It's not about cause. It's about effect. It's about what happens after, not what happened before. And so let me just tell you this, and, and so that we can clarify this idea, all things work together for good. How about this? When we serve God, everything can serve a purpose. When we serve God, everything can serve a purpose. You know, when we say everything happens for a reason, we're often saying to people is, hey, Good's coming. This is going to work out. We need to have, and I think that is actually true, that no matter what difficulty we're facing, no matter what trial may be in front of us, what what struggle it lays in front of us or is in our present or in our future, that it can all work for good. But we have to have the right definition of good. And we have to be pursuing the right thing. So let's take Romans eight twenty eight, which often gets misunderstood. Let's take eight twenty eight. Let's put it into a greater context. Let's read some of the verses around it and see what Paul's actually talking about when he says all things work together for good. Let's let's read. Uh, we're going to start back in verse twenty six. Okay, verse twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Okay. So, Paul is writing and talking in the context of us struggling in the middle of our pain. When things are the darkest, when they hurt the worst, which is where we will often use this phrase, right? So, so, he is talking about it in that context. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let's keep reading. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here's what that means. It means that when I am hurting and when I am broken and when I am lost and when I am struggling, I don't even know in many cases how to pray the will of God. I I go, for me, I go to this like visceral personal place was like fleshly place where I know my will. I I know what I want. I know what I would want to see happen. I know how I would want it to work out. And so it's really hard in those situations to filter through what to pray for, what is in the will of God and what is in the will of John. And so what the spirit does is he helps us and he communicates with God so that, so that he can bring our requests to God in a way that are in accordance with his will. And we know, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. That's not where the verse ends. We know all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. Who are the called according to His purpose? The called are the church. It's His children. It's believers. And so what He's saying is, when you're in your pain and when you're struggling, the Spirit will communicate to God on your behalf. When you don't even know what to pray, the Spirit will help. Those requests that are in, in line with the will of God will hear. God will hear them. Hear those prayers. Receive them, and that God will begin working. For the good of those who are his children and who love him. That good may not be in line, frankly, with what my natural will is, how I would want it to work out, how I want things to get rosier and brighter and better. How in my flesh I want to have more money and I want to have more time and I want to have more safety and I want to have more security. I want to have more good relationships around me. The will of God may not always line up with those things. So God is working for my good when I don't even know what my good is. For those who love Him and are called according, who are called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm like the word predestined, hot button topic, not going to get into that deeply, but those he foreknew, God knew who would choose him. Even though we have free will and we choose him, God knew who would choose him. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So why is God working for my good? What is the goal of God's good that he's working in my life through all of these difficult things when I don't even know what's good? He's trying to conform me into the image of his son. That's the goal. That's God's intent in all things in my life, whether I would call them good things or whether I would call them bad things, whether they are, whether I feel successful or whether I feel beaten, God's goal in my life is to conform me into the image of his son. And all things can do that. No matter how dark or no matter how scary, All things can conform me into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, that there might be many who look like Christ. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, there's a verse that often gets taken out of context too, doesn't it? If God is for us, who can be against us? And sometimes that's said in in the context of my own will being done. <laughs> so I can do anything because if God is for me, who can be against Well, God's for you if your actions are within his will. And his will is for you to be conformed into the image of his son. And so if you and I, through even the difficulty in life, are being conformed in the image of his son, who's going to stop that? Nobody can stop you from becoming more and more like Christ. Because if God is for you, and that's the work he's doing in your life, nobody can stand against you. Nobody can stop that. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's Christ's death on the cross, paying for our sin, so by faith we can be forgiven. How shall he not, if he gave up his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things, what does that mean? Does it mean all things? It doesn't mean all things. In the context of this, it means all things that pertain to us being conformed to the image of Christ. That if that is our goal, no matter what we face, no matter how difficult it may be, if we say, I want to become more like Christ through this, then he will give us everything we need in order to accomplish that goal. Because it's within his will. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Again, I feel like this is a verse that often gets plucked up out of its context. It says, we're conquerors. We're going to be a success. We're going to overcome all things. If God is for us, who can be against us? And oftentimes those verses are used to support fleshly human efforts. What he's saying is, in our pursuit of becoming more like Christ, we are conquerors. There's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can hold us back from that pursuit if that's what we're going after. We are conquerors in Christ that we can overcome sin, we can overcome death in our own life, we can become more holy and more righteous, we can become more like Christ, we can do more meaningful good in the world, and that all things, no matter how difficult they are, can lead us in that pursuit and can help us. All things work together, can work together for that good, if that's what we're pursuing for those who are the called, who are believers in Christ, and who love God. And are pursuing him. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor the things present nor the things to come neither nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is our good that all things work together for? Our good is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Our good is to be connected to his love and in fellowship with our Father through the power of the Spirit made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our good is to learn how to pray in accordance with His will instead of our will. Our good is to overcome sin in our life, to overcome death eternally. And all things can serve that purpose. I'll tell you that since learning this lesson for myself, it's changed the way that I look at God. And it's changed the way that I look at the circumstances around me. And it's changed the way that I encourage people when they're in difficult circumstances. And I often find myself helping people who are in those scenarios. And instead of saying everything happens for a reason, or this is all going to work out, is that phrase true? Everything happens for a reason, is it true? I'm going to call it true-ish. I think there's truth there, but it's not complete and i frankly don't think it's often very helpful but all difficulties no matter how terrible they may seem represent an opportunity for god's goodness to be on display in your life and so when i'm talking to someone who's in a difficult time i won't say everything that happens everything happens for a reason or it's all going to work out I'm certainly not going to make them some sort of promise But what I will always say, and those of you that have been through difficult things, and hopefully I said this to you, is very simple. This situation can do one of two things, and it's your choice which one it is. This situation can either draw you closer to God and make you more like Christ, or it can draw you away from God and make you less like Christ. And you have a choice to make. And if you choose to let it draw you closer to God and to become more like Christ, it will work for your good. You will be better for it. You will be stronger for it. You will be more faithful because of it. You will be more mature because of it. You will be more confident because of it. And that may be difficult to see right now because things seem so dark. But we have a choice to make. And the choice that we make determines the outcome that happens. So everything happens for a reason, maybe just a better phrase. Maybe everything can be used to bring you closer to God. Everything can be used to make you more like Christ. And I think that that is more helpful for us. Now, some of you may be going through really difficult things right now. I know even in the current landscape of uh, the pandemic that's going on and the restrictions and all the stuff that's happening and businesses closing and opening. Some of you have lost jobs. Uh, some of you have, have gotten sick or have known people that have gotten sick. Some of you have lost people that you love, and I know how difficult that is. I've, done, I've been through all of those things in my life, so I understand. I just want you to know that even if everything doesn't work out the way you would want it to, even if everything doesn't return to the way that it was. This can help you grow closer to God and become more like Christ. But that is your choice. That's your choice. And I want to encourage you with this. And I can't tell you what's going to happen in your situation. But if you choose to use this situation to grow closer to God, And to become more like Jesus, to listen to the Spirit and follow Him, then you will gain a sense of peace, a sense of joy, a sense of satisfaction that can't be described any other way and can't be secured any other way. And that you know that if you are a child of God, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, And if you love God and want to follow Him, then you know that not only does He walk through you, walk through this situation with you, but that you have a home waiting for you that is far better than what we have here. And that our hope and our joy should be there as we anticipate the return of Christ or our going to Him, whichever one of those happens first, and know that ultimately God gets the victory. And so I want to draw as close to him and prepare as much for for that as I can. And I hope that you join me in that. Let's pray together. God, I come to you and thank you for your love and your goodness. You are good. And even in situations that look bad, regardless of how they happened or why they happened, you can take that in our life and you can use it to mold us into who you want us to be. I pray, God, that you would do that for me and that you would do that for everybody who's participating in this today. No matter how difficult it is, that you show them how you want to draw close to them in it, how you want to use them. Some of us are are trying to minister to and help people around us who are hurting. Lord, help us, give us the wisdom to know how to direct them to that truth. Rather than making false promises or rather than driving them down deeper into their pain or into their suffering, but to draw them out with the hope of discipleship and fellowship. Help us to know how to encourage them and how to communicate with them and how to point them in the right direction so they can have the same hope that we have. And I thank you for your word that when we look at it, we can trust it. Phrases that are out there that get tossed around or tweeted or, or said on the, the media or wherever else, we... We don't know if we can trust all that stuff. We don't know the source every time. We don't know where it comes from. But your word, we can always trust. And so thank you that we can take a phrase like this and we can hold it up against your word and we can find something even better, something deeper, more helpful and more meaningful and something that we have confidence to know is true. We thank you for that. And as we face all things in our life, we ask that you continue to encourage us in this, continue to grow us and move us forward in your name in the power of the Spirit. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.